I've just been so inspired by um, Ryan and Joe and their journey uh, over the last, well, ever since I joined our church, they've just blown my mind in terms of like devotion to Jesus and like they're just up for it. You know, Jesus, um, like his, we've talked about this a lot, but his, one of Jesus' big frustrations was that people would hear what he said, but they wouldn't apply it to their lives. Still a wee issue in the church today, right? It's like super easy to hear a sermon. It's super tricky to apply it to your life so that you live differently. Uh, and that's actually what it means to be a disciple is that year in, year out, there's like your lifestyle and your week looks a bit different because you're committed to the way of Jesus. Now, Ryan and Joe have been super inspiring and it's super nice to preach to them because I'm like, well, I don't know who else is going to do stuff, but these guys will be like, yeah, all right, what do we have to read? What do we have to do? We're going to pray. All right, let's pray. You know, so good. Um, and so before all of the storm hit, so to speak, last year with this cancer stuff, their roots were deep, which helps. So you're going to hear some stuff today that's going to, I'm sure, inspire you, but I'm like, start building your root system now so that when the storms of life come, and they will for all of us at some point, you've actually got some stuff to draw from that'll really help you make decisions like these guys have made over the last little while. That's a good intro. All right. Thank you, team. So let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to interview them and, uh, and just sort of provoke really the story, um, but we've got some notes here to help us. So welcome Ryan and Joe. Thank you for the courage it takes to do this and for your willingness to let us be a part of this as a church community. This is a sacred space. So do you want to just tell us about the news of hearing about um, the diagnosis and all that sort of stuff and we'll go from there. Um, so about a little over a year ago, I was still breastfeeding, but I found a lump and um, <clears throat> I got it checked out and uh, I, I had a biopsy done and even at that stage, the way they were acting, I was thinking, oh yeah, this is bad, this is, this is not good. And then after that, <clears throat> I got a call from the GP to come in with a support person, so we knew that that was probably going to be bad news. Um, so I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, which is breast cancer, um, and that there would be further appointments with specialists to decide what to do about it, prognosis and treatment. When was the, like when was this? Like how long ago? Uh, I think it was about April. April last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just remember walking home from that doctor's appointment. We we going in. We knew something. Difficult was going to come our way, and we didn't know how we would respond. I remember walking home, actually not feeling that different than when we went in. I remember feeling quite cerebral about the whole thing. Um, I think our emotions, or my emotions, hadn't quite engaged yet at that point. I remember walking home and talking about it, and basically all we knew was this name, invasive ductal carcinoma. But we didn't know anything else about what would the treatment be, what were the prognosis, the outcomes. We didn't really know anything, and so because we didn't have enough information at that time, um, we just kind of waiting for what would happen next. I remember not getting too freaked out, kind of like in limbo. What's going to happen? Um, so the next step was to see our surgeon, Dr. Broadhurst. And uh, from that consultation, it, it became clear that the best path forward was to do chemotherapy first, followed by a mastectomy of that breast, and then radiation therapy. And um, at that point, it gave us more information, and so we could read a little bit about the prognosis and statistics around breast cancer and yada, yada, yada. Um, and at that time, some fear and concern started creeping in at the edges. Because once you start looking at percentages and things, you're like, oh, we actually have a pretty good chance of making it through this. And you can choose to hold on to that percent, or you can look at the other half and, oh, and we have this percent chance of not. So at that point, you have to start making decisions, but what do you focus on? Um, at that time, we really intentional about focusing on the, 
likely outcome of the cancer being gone after the treatments. Um, okay, and then after that, <clears throat> I had some scans um, and then a, an appointment with the oncologist. Um, it was during our uh, COVID restrictions, so it was just me on my own. Um, and so at that time, she said that the scans revealed Um, so at that time, the scans revealed um, that the cancer had in fact spread from the breast um, to other parts too, to the spine, to the rib, uh, possibly elsewhere. So of course, um, this changed the oncologist's prognosis from eradication mode to mitigate mode. She used the word uh, to prolong quality of life. So, Joe was there uh, in person, but I was at home with the kids during lockdown, doing homeschooling and stuff. So she called me, and we had this conversation on the phone, where she said these things. On a nice sunny morning during lockdown, I was sitting on the deck, the children were all playing, jumping on the trampoline, doing schoolwork, whatever. Um, and then there was this heavy, you know, new set of information. Um, and so Joe told me, and obviously difficult news at that time, but... We couldn't really unpack it then. We had to, um, to set it on the back burner until the evening because, pardon me, um, of course we didn't want the children to see their parents falling apart. Um, so Joe came home and, and she sat in the sun and, um, you wanna? Sorry, I came home and I sat in the sun and I actually felt just a, a great feeling of peace and closeness to God at that time. I could, I just felt, yeah, actually no thoughts in my head, just, just a feeling of God's presence. And I continue to feel that every time I ask God to feel that peace again, he brings it back to me. Yeah. Um, so I remember, we just need to finish, let us finish the day and then we'll pass back. So I remember that day we carried on with parenting and cooking and cleaning and bedtimes and homeschooling and on and on. Um, all with this kind of heavy storm cloud weighing on the back of my mind, anyway. Um, but again, I knew that if we talked about it in front of the kids, that would be unfortunate for them. Now, it was, it was COVID, and so if it wasn't, we would have perhaps had some people come over and support us, but we couldn't have any personal visits due to the lockdown. Um, so we called Sam and Jen on the phone, and uh, at that point, we were able to kind of allow ourselves to be vulnerable, and to share the news, to share our fears, and and our concerns and our, there was still so many unknowns. So it was good to just say, this is my deepest fear. And, oh, this is the news. And just to cry together. Um, it was on the phone, but it was still, uh, it was still a precious phone call. Uh, and, and most importantly, we prayed together. Uh, and Sam and Jen just gave us a beautiful blessing of prayer during that time. Um, in the coming days, we, we learned more. And we were able to tell the children um, you know, mom's going to have chemotherapy and she's probably going to lose her hair. Um, she's going to look different and she'll feel unwell during that time. Um, and it was funny, we weren't sure if they were going to ask more about like, so what is this cancer? What is going to be the effect of the mom? No, their question was, oh, no hair. Oh, so what are you going to do? And so Joe already had her first wig. And uh, so she, oh, I'll show you my wig. And she brought the wig then and the kids are wearing the wig and like doing rock star and playing air guitar. <laughs> and, um, and that was it. They didn't ask about it ever again, really. Um, so they've been really sheltered from all of the um, 
the worst of it, which has been a real blessing. Because we were another big fear was, oh, what are the kids going to think about all of this? But they seem to have been totally immune to any of the stresses. And so, do you want to just um, talk about processing that? Because I know, for, you know, it was like, oh, we're ticking along. And then all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, this is huge. Um, how did you guys process that? And then I, I was so impressed with the way you guys navigated that first, um, first patch of just getting your heads around that. And, and also the privilege of that phone call and, you know, and then that began just a journey of us being able to support you. Because, the, again, one, just I want to point out things they did really well. It's super easy to isolate yourself when you're feeling overwhelmed and when you've got big news like that. But that, like, it's super important to, to bring a couple of people you trust, not lots of people, a couple of people you trust in, at an early stage to help you carry the journey together so you know again enormous privilege but just talk about that whole initial processing of, of that and what that yeah, looked sure. like for you guys I think initially what weighed upon my mind was just still so much uncertainty we could only guess how Joe would respond to the chemotherapy that was coming um, we weren't sure how invasive the surgery was going to be we weren't sure what radiation therapy would do to her body um, and if we took the oncologist at her word we're looking at years not decades and so how do we process that um, so I was recommended this book by this Kiwi guy called Phil Kerslake. He's written a book called Life, Happiness and Cancer. Um, and he went through cancer, I think, over a 20-year period, six different times he's had cancer and recovered. Um, and he, in his book, just talks about the importance of hope, positivity and good humor. And so I just felt really strongly that I wanted to be actively involved and what was happening to me, and so I could choose hope and and how I reacted to things. And so I, I just felt like if I did that, um, the way my treatment would go would, would be so different. I would I wouldn't it wouldn't sort of rule my life, um, and it, I could increase the quality of my life by how I chose to approach it. Mm. So um, my experience with cancer could be affected by the meaning I gave to the experience. Mm. Um, and the perspective I brought to it. And so I talked to Ryan, and we both read the book, so we were on the same page. Mm. And so we agreed that we, we would choose hope. Mm. Yeah. I, my mind is very logical. I trained as an engineer first before I went into teaching. So when I had stats in my mind, it, it seemed like I could hold this, this, this statistical chance of coming through and this statistical chance of not, and da, 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 da. But Joe made it very clear. Look, we need to be very careful about how we curate the messages that we allow into our field of view. Mm. Not that we ignore the truth, but that we carefully choose which ones to focus on. Um, it's hard work to hold on to hope, and small discouragement seem to carry like a disproportionate weight. You need about 10 reminders of hope to counteract one small, even if it's true, um, negative thought, you know? So we had to intentionally focus our energies on what was within our control. Um, so we put these intentions in writing, and I'll, I'll read to you what we shared with our close circles, because I think it just says it well. Um, first, a quote from the book. In medical circles, there's a premise that to create false hope in the mind of the patient is somehow unethical or otherwise morally wrong. I understand the point, but I don't entirely hold to it. Since hope sustains life, hopelessness must have the opposite effect. Yet some people, in their effort to impart only realistic information, can in so doing err too heavily towards the pessimistic and create feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. At times, messages that reach you when you have cancer make little allowance for hope. And for some people, this can help seal their fate on a conscious or subconscious level. 
There is cause for hope, even when the odds of statistics are against us, because there is no type of cancer which does not have some recovery rate. People often defy so-called odds to live longer and increasingly richer lives. Cancer has gained an aura of invincibility, which gives it more power than it deserves. Uh, that's the end of the quote. So we said we want to disempower the cancer. We want to contend for unswerving hope, faith, strength. We have a well-founded hope in the natural strength of Joanna's body, mind, and soul to fight for and win a healthy body, as well as the effective support of the various medical interventions. We also have a solid foundation of hope in Jesus, the master healer. In all of this, Joanna is much stronger than any cancer. So we ended that by saying we fight against fear, doubt, negativity, discouragement, and hopelessness. Words, images, and ideas act like seeds in our minds, and we want to sow good seed. So we sent that to everyone around us, knowing that we need to create a uh, an expectation. If you're going to talk to us about this issue, please uh, keep this in mind. So I look back at uh, many moments where God led me or helped me through difficult situations in my life. So not just this one, but previous experiences where I really felt that um, God was with me. And this gave me more of a sense that I could trust him in this situation as well. Um, one situation that I always look back to was um, Evie had a when she was a baby, she dislocated her elbow, and I took her to the clinic at Wellesley Road, and she was in a lot of pain, and she was holding her arm, um, and the doctor tried to snap it back into place, and, and he couldn't. And he basically said, oh, well, usually these things will just pop back in themselves if you give it time. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to just sit here and watch her in pain you know, not able to do anything because she's holding her arm to herself. Um, so he said, just take her home. So I took her home and I was, I just shut myself in the bedroom and cried and prayed um, for God to help me. And then I opened the door and Evie was outside and she ran to me and she tripped on the rug and her elbow popped back in place. <laughs> so that was like 10 seconds after I prayed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's again super helpful, right? And, and can I just point out, like, uh, just as a pastor who's been involved in a lot of these life moments for people, um, that it's so important that whole thing around hope, um, and and also to be really clear, like, there's also it's not helpful being in denial either. And these guys navigated that really well. So it was like they're grounded in reality in terms of what they're facing. The rest of it, Ryan's an engineer, blah blah blah. But it's like, but all this, they just created an environment of hope. And like, Joe, where did you grow up? Like In, in Ghana. In Ghana. Yeah. So like your natural immunity is pretty friggin' yeah. amazing yeah. from like all the bugs you would have got, right? So, so do you want to just talk us through that phase then of the treatment, the different treatments that you went through and your experience of that? Um, so first I had chemo, which um, I had five rounds of chemo. They would give, it, uh, give me chemo and then I'd wait for three weeks and have it again. And so the, there would be a, from day four to day 10, I would feel really awful. Um, and then I'd start to feel better again. Um, and during those awful days, I just felt like I was wading through mud. Um, but I was also encouraged that I never felt nauseous enough to like throw up. Um, so I was able to eat and I was also able to keep up a daily routine, um, but just went at a much slower pace. <laughs> And um, as the chemo progressed, I, I would get checked every three weeks. 
the cancer like visibly receded and, and that's why they gave me chemo first because they wanted to see like what the result was on the tumor rather than removing the tumor and then you couldn't see the result of the chemo afterwards. So it, it was really encouraging because I could even feel it gnawing away <clears throat> at night time. Like there was a, a pain but I felt, oh, maybe this is a good pain this time because it feels visibly like it's shrinking. So that also was really encouraging. Um, and then the oncologist, after her examinations, um, at the end said, it's so hard to find. She couldn't find the tumor. Um, and then she was saying, oh, it's insanely fast how, how quickly it's responded to chemo. And she was so pleased. Um, so she was, yeah, she was just very encouraging about the way that the treatment was going. and. I mean, she saw it from a medical point of view, but I was, I was thinking, oh, well, God's got this under control. <laughs> um, so then I finished my chemo, and then the next uh, unknown was surgery because um, they were saying, you know, with COVID and everything, if the surgery wasn't booked early enough, I would have to have another round of chemo. And by that stage, I was feeling like I couldn't handle anymore. Um, so we prayed about that too, and um, um, and long story short, we um, yeah, there there was technically one more round scheduled, but we were possibly able to avoid it if the surgery was scheduled promptly, and we brought that to prayer and. Um, everything fell into place. The surgery came about quickly. The surgeon was amazing and comforting and caring, and we totally dodged that last round of chemotherapy and went straight into the plan for the surgery. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, after chemo, um, I, I will continue. I'm, I'm currently having three weekly immunotherapy treatment and hormone treatments, but they they um, don't have the same side effects as chemo, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> um, uh, I think I had scans again at the end of my chemo, and at that stage they, they uh, revealed that the cancer in the rib and the spine, there was just no sign of it. It was, they, they call it sclerification, so there is a sign that there was something there, but it's, it's not there. Um, and then there were, um, again, no signs of, of, of the tumor in my breast. Um, and there's, like they said, signs of liver spots, but they, because my chemo was so effective, they think it's, they're just cysts. They're not actually related at all. So then I could move on to my mastectomy. <laughs> so this was actually a season of quite a lot of encouragement. All the results were really positive and we're thinking, yes, maybe this is gone for good, you know? We'll go into the surgery and go from there. Um, so Joe had her mastectomy, and they take samples during the surgery and take them to the pathology and, and take a look at them. And good news, the breast tissue showed no signs of cancer. That was such good news. Um, she also had five lymph nodes removed, and two of those showed no cancer, but three of them um, did still show some cancer. And so that was hard, really hard to hear. Um, but at that time they said, oh, well, maybe we should go in and remove all the lymph nodes in that area which would be really invasive and dangerous for health moving forward. Um, but given that they knew the cancer had spread elsewhere in the body, they decided pros and cons not to do any more surgery, which again was a huge 
bonus because we didn't want to do more surgery. Um, and it didn't change anything. And uh, we had a nice summer holiday away during Christmas, camping, and you were able to do all sorts of fun stuff as a family. Uh, and at the end of summer holidays, went to Palmy for some radiation therapy, which was the last part of the treatment. Um, and for radiation therapy, I think the hardest thing was just being away from the family. And I think because it was the end of my treatment as well, I started to think about what next. Um, so I just... I probably had too much time on my hands when I was there. <laughs> so some of the questions I had is, um, what does it mean to be healed when I'm still undergoing immunotherapy treatments? And how would I know or have the courage to turn down ongoing treatments if I felt that the side effects outweighed the benefits they were giving to my life? Um, and it's, I think that's the ongoing thing for me is just knowing what, what does healing mean? And uh, I think at the moment for me, it's knowing that I'm well for, for today. So that's all I need. Yeah, that, that brings us to where we are. There's still lots of uncertainty, so we just continue to pray for health and strength and God's comforting, empowering and healing presence each day. Um, so do you want to just unpack for us, like, um, especially in regards to your faith, like you, you guys really built, a, from a very strong foundation anyway, a really great architecture around your life at that time in terms of things you chose to do, like, I don't know how I would respond. Again, I'd probably just be working every day, just like doing the worst thing for my body. But you guys, hopefully not. Um, but you guys just built this beautiful kind of architecture out of, you know, from that place of faith. Just, and you're and very intentional about what you built there, which I think is super helpful because it's like we all go through big storms of life. But you guys just did some smart things. Do you want to talk about what was helpful in that time for you guys in terms of what you chose to do? Um, so I relied a lot on prayer and encouragement from friends. Um, so the prayer chain that Ryan um, started was just, it was everything I needed to get through a day. Um, and so, I mean, that was Ryan that did that for me. And you know that scripture, which we all know, bear each other's burdens. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing that's tricky is it's really tough to bear a burden if we don't know about it. And certainly for us pastorally, like if you, there's so much going on in the life of our church, like you please communicate if you're going through something, and then we can help build prayer chains. We've got all sorts of stuff that, to help, but it's very hard to bear a burden that we don't know about, whether that's a church or your friends or family. So again, like these guys were like, we want support. Brilliant. We want to help. We want to bear this with you. So let's build a messenger thread that's got a whole lot of people that are just going to pray and we're going to give updates. We're going to like get some communication systems here that help us carry this together. So again, that was super helpful. Uh, and I remember there was a, before we did that thinking, like how, how much should we share? Like it can be a bit vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but we thought the, the more people know, the more they can pray and we'll... Well, invite people to the group, so it's not just free-for-all on the internet. Um, so we curated the group a bit. Again, for the positive Wise thing. move, again. <laughs> um, and once we started it and then shared vulnerably what's going on and, and our reflections and things, um, they created this beautiful thread of prayers and prophetic words and words of encouragement. And I could post psalms and our own prayers, and it was just ongoing every day. Bing, 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 stuff popping up at just the right time. It was so 
precious that we were we we extended ourselves a bit vulnerably and it was very uh rich the response yeah and um i tend to go for um when i pray thy will be done uh, and i think the prophetic words of hope made me think no i need to pray for healing rather than just mm. sort of being content with mm. whatever happens happens mm. Can I just jump in there? That's super important. So like there are times pastorally someone's near the end of their life and it's like, do we contend here or is it time just to pray that God's peace be with them as they as they die and go to be with the Lord? And so this will be Jesus was like always John 5.19, I just see what my father's doing and I bless it. So this is a really important thing of like, Lord, how do you want us to pray in this time? Mm. Thy will be done, Lord, just give us peace through this, which he did. Well, Lord, no, we want to know we're called to contend for healing here. Mm. And so, and it was that clearly, we all felt it. It was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and like, we all got warmed up. And, and from the moment we, we knew about it, we were yeah. praying, no, Lord, come into this place and bring your healing. And we've seen, even you've heard the story, it's like, that's what it looks like often, is that through these things that, you know, I've heard this so many times, surgeons and doctors are like, wow, that's incredible results. Of a friend, a pastor friend of mine in the States who was written off by all the doctors with cancer. And just the last week, he's posting like the, the doctors are like, This is literally unbelievable. <laughs> and you know, thousands of people have been praying for this guy, you know. So that's so good. It was like, Lord, how do you want us to pray? Okay, we're contending here. Of course, we're contending. Yeah, yeah. Um, and God spoke to me in different ways throughout my um, year. And I think at the very beginning, it was really basic, like it was tangible signs that I needed. I needed to know his presence. So it sounds a bit ridiculous, but um, every day I would, you know, start fe being fearful. And then I'd see a rainbow or a monarch butterfly. Those were the two reoccurring, really tangible um, signs of his presence. And... Um, as it went on, I, I didn't need that as much. Um, and so then it was more, um, I joined Strava, which is like a running app, because <laughs> I was gonna go for a morning run, run or walk every day. And you can, you can um, title your exercise. And I felt like oh, I need to give these, like this a real, real meaning. So all through my walk, I would be thinking, what is the word for my title of my Strava run today? Um, but that was God speaking to me. I always had a word that was quite, like, carried me through the rest of the day. Um, and then uh, people's encouragements and prophetic um, words really um, just, I would just mull on them and think about them a lot. And then um, verses and songs and <coughs> Ryan made me a, a playlist that I would listen to as well. And I found that um, really helpful. Um, and then I would uh, make sure I start the day well with um, time of prayer and just reading my prayer chain just to set me up. And then other things that were helpful was uh, we were we had tons of meals and gift cards and visits. And I mean, that came from all sides. It came through church. It came through um, family and friends and it came through my work. And Ryan's work as well. We were just like, <laughs> it was just amazing how much. Um, people yeah, showered us with 
gifts and, and for the kids as well, which was really special that they thought about, you know, giving the, the kids fun things to do and money for us to go off and do things as a family. And so I, I had a daily routine and, and I think uh, it was actually from a sermon earlier that Sam um, preached about suffering. Um, when you're in a valley, sometimes you just have to keep on walking. And so it's creating routines where you don't have to think about it. You just do it, whether you feel like it or not. So that's what I did. Say that again. That was good. Say it again. <laughs> that, so, no, just read what you got. That's oh, awesome. I had a daily had a routine. Daily, and I stuck and to it. I stuck to it, whether I felt like it or I not. Whether I felt like it or not. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Sometimes we walk by faith, not by sight. So our emotions and our senses aren't with us, but we do it anyway. That's wisdom. That's brilliant. All right. Sorry. Happy pastor. I'm like, someone's listened to the sermon. So let's just try to unpack some of those routines and what were some of those healthy things. For me, um, I started to feel quite anxious and fearful, as you can understand. And I realized a lot of that came from a desire for control. Mm. I wanted to control the outcome of this health challenge. Mm. And of course, so much of my life is not within my control. Mm. And I was responding by anxiously contemplating the future and possible outcomes and this and that. Um, and I needed a prayer to soothe my anxious mind and soul. Mm. And it can be hard to pray in these times. As we've already said, what do I pray for and, and how do I pray with confidence? So I was looking for a set prayer. You know, a pre-written prayer that could offer a framework and uh, a depth of truth I was struggling to accomplish on my own. So I found this prayer called the Surrender Novena, which uh, a novena is like a Catholic prayer. It's a nine-day set of prayers on a, on a theme. And I just want to read you a couple lines from this prayer. I, I went through this over and over and over again. It was so helpful to me in this time. The prayer is written from the voice of Jesus. Why do you confuse yourselves by worrying? Why do you confuse yourselves by worrying? Leave the care of your affairs to me and everything will be peaceful. I say to you in truth that every act of true, blind, complete surrender to me produces the effect that you desire and resolves all difficult situations. Surrender to me does not mean to fret, to be upset, to lose hope, nor does it mean offering to me a worried prayer, asking me to follow you and change your worry into prayer. It's against this surrender, deeply against it, to worry, to be nervous, and, and to desire to think about the consequences of anything. Mm. Surrender means to placidly close the eyes of the soul, turn away from thoughts of tribulation, and to put yourself in my care. So that only I act, saying, you take care of it. Mm. I perform miracles in proportion to your full surrender to me, and to your not thinking of yourselves. I sow treasure troves of graces when you're in the deepest poverty. I will take care of things. I promise this to you. And it ends every day with this prayer. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And I pondered that prayer. And uh, it's not shallow. Like, I promise to take care of everything doesn't mean I'll heal all your sicknesses and give you lots of money and da-da-da. It's like a rich... What, what is God doing in our lives right now? I will trust me to take care of you as I see fit. Uh, that prayer was very powerful for me. Um, and so I would pray that every morning. Second, every morning I would go to the Psalms. Um, I felt called. They were like beckoning me. I could feel the pull to the Psalms. And I started at Psalm 1 and I read 1, 2, or 3 every day and went through the Psalms. Um, from start to finish and then just repeated through again. And what I found really powerful was I copied out the laments and the poetic hopes in those psalms 
Um, and I would post the portions of them to Joe because she would have her quiet time upstairs and I'd be downstairs. And so I'd copy these sections of Psalms and I would text them to Joe and she's upstairs and I'd get little lovey hearts and little thumbs up. Um, but every day there would be some word of hope or some lament where we could just be honest and say, yes, this is really hard, God, where are you? But the laments always end like, and yet the Lord will, you know, be glorified. Um, there was one in particular that was quite powerful. So Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 are my key scriptures for the last year. Um, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Mm. We're going to have to dive a little bit ahead just because of time. Um, um, Okay, we're going to jump to this. And we've got that song queued up, so we'll finish with that. But the journey with God... So we'll fast forward to that. Um, do you want to just talk about overall just some of the things that you've learned in terms of, um, because out of this, um, these guys are a, are a massive resource now for us as a church in terms of like the wisdom that they've got. So if there's like, oh, what book did you find helpful or what that sort of stuff, there's all sorts of stuff these guys can recommend that were helpful for them if you're going through some deep water yourself. But you're going to just, um, we'll wrap up by just talking about some of the lessons that you guys have learned um, with God through this. Um, I think God has brought me much closer to him. So my faith doesn't feel dry anymore. It's, it keeps me going and it's really um, vibrant. And life itself is vibrant and rich. And I read that in quite a few books, not uh, like secular books, like people who um, think about their mortality more. It just really brings life to, yeah, yeah, it's much richer. Um, and I feel like I can face my mortality and not hide from it. Uh, I, I live much more in the moment because I realize that today I am well, so I want to enjoy that. And then I think from reading Psalm 27, the word wait uh, is a big one for me. So it is really letting go and just um, lifting my eyes to the Lord and making my fears and worries. And that makes my fears and worries leave, choosing to just rest in him for each day. I think uh, for me, big one is that how much we need each other. We will crumble if we face these trials alone. Community is a treasure. Another one is, is we know that everybody who trusts in Jesus will live forever in the age to come, and that gives great hope, but what about the struggles of this day, you know, this moment? And um, I've started to, through diving into the scriptures and through diving into pr- my own prayers and set prayers and communal prayers, come up with just a mantra of truth. You know, uh, God is good. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. Do I trust him? Do I really believe that Jesus is Lord of all, King of the universe? Do I trust him to redeem pain and suffering? I I don't know what's happening or why exactly it's happening, but I can trust that he's good and that he's going to redeem it in the end. I think of the verse, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So true. Um, My deep trust in his goodness and ultimate authority, um, it needs to be bolstered each day. It's not like I suddenly tapped into it and now I'm good. Like even now, every morning, I need to spend time in silence and prayer in the scriptures. And then he reestablishes that sense of, trust me, I'm in control. Um, And last, I'll just share that in all of this, um, I constantly and regularly go back to think of Jesus in the garden. Um, 
Jesus faced rejection, uh, misunderstanding, pain and suffering. People didn't understand what he was trying to say. His disciples abandoned him. He was suffered shame and death. He prayed to his father in the garden on his knees and was weeping. And he himself had unanswered prayer. Um, and yet in all of that, it was good. God knew what he was doing and he's brought about the salvation of the whole world. I looked to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I don't understand everything, um, but I trust you. Um, and, and that's the place I've come to and I come back to that again and again. Jesus, I trust you. I surrender to you. And again, that doesn't come about as just like a, a realization and then I've got it. It comes about through daily following these routines and him reestablishing that reality. Yeah, I think it's interesting how in life constantly we're faced with these intersections with God and our relationship with him. And the question is always, will we get a bit distant from God or will we go deeper with him? And it's always those two, distant or deeper. And all the time there's this stuff going on. And when storms of life come like these guys have gone through, like, I want my story to be their story. Oh man, I went deeper with God. And he often does some of his deepest work through some of the biggest pain and suffering that we go through in terms of shaping our character to become more like him. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just been, it's so inspiring just to see their story and the way that they've chosen um, to just go deep with God through this. Um, and um, as we come into land this morning, um, I'd love just us to give a moment because here's what I want us to avoid is comparing whatever suffering we're going through with their story. <laughs> going to be hard to beat, right? Like this is pretty significant for anyone. Like this is big. But your, the stuff, the tricky stuff you're going through really matters to Jesus. And so like, it's not, I don't think it's helpful going to minimize your own challenges. Go, oh, I can't complain compared to what Ryan and Joe have gone through. So you know what, no, he, he actually does care about what you're going through, and it's really healthy to bring it to the Lord. And here's the, what I'd love us to do as we finish this morning, is that ultimately when we go through stuff like pain and suffering, and, and just seasons of life where it's like legitimately we've got to ask the question, what the heck are you doing, God? Where are you in this? That, like, that's a good question to ask. Psalms are filled with it. This doesn't in the Western Church where we minimise our mortality and we don't talk about pain and suffering too much. Not helpful. We go through that stuff in life, and, and so asking that, well, like, what's going on here? God's really healthy because at least we're engaging with Him rather than getting distant from Him. But then ultimately, we aren't going to have some answers this side of eternity for lots of things. And the mystery box for me keeps lots of stuff gets chucked in there regularly. I don't know, but I choose to trust you, Jesus. And so here's the ministry opportunity this morning. Whatever you're going through, there's an invitation that Jesus has for you this morning to say, I still choose to trust you, Jesus. I trust you. I trust you. And what does that look like? I'm going to rant and rave at you. I'm going to journal my little heart out. I'm going to throw my lollies. I'm going to run to you and weep and whatever it may be. It's just engaging with him and wherever you're at in terms of processing whatever you may be going through, in terms of the tricky stuff of life. And so I'd love us just to close in prayer. And as we do that, we're going, to, I'm going to, we're going to play a song in the background. The words are going to be on the screen. That was one of the main songs that, was, that had particular meaning for, um, for Ryan and Joe. And the, and the words will be on the screen and it will really 
you'll see that it resonates with what they're talking about. So let's hit play on that, Ramon. And um, let me pray. Father, we just thank you that you're here. And Lord, whatever we're going through, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll just come and meet us afresh this morning. Where we have questions, I pray you'd meet us. Where we're wondering where you are, would you meet with us? So come, Lord, and just minister to us as we listen to this song in Jesus' name.